All right. Hey guys, this is about to be really, really fun. And I'm so excited for this moment. When we were kind of planning the Awaken Conference for you guys, we were just thinking, hey, what all do we think? We take really seriously who we allow on this stage and who is teaching you guys the word of God and who is speaking into your lives. And we were just thinking, what does uh, this group of people need to hear? And who do they need to hear from? And I am so excited. Like, God has just blessed our generation with so many passionate leaders who have gone before us and who are spending their life making sure that we are resourced and ready to have an abiding relationship with Jesus and to share him with the world. And so what we're gonna do in this time is just bring up uh, some leaders of our generation. I was gonna ask them questions and we just put together questions that we think that would be really helpful for you guys to hear. They're coming out, they're not saying, hey, I have all the answers, but what they are doing is hoping that they can be helpful to you. And so if you would, please help me welcome to the stage, David Marvin, Jonathan Pacluda, and Jenny Allen. Isn't she lovely? David, you're on this side, Look actually. Look at this. Oh, I'm over We already talked about this, man. Come on. Man, I'm over here. I'm in the right place. You're wearing a blazer. I feel so unprepared for this. Hey, she came to do business with Jesus, all right? Hey. All right. Well, hey, thank you guys for being here. I know we already heard from DMARV last night, which, by the way, what a way to kick off the conference last night. Amazing. We get to hear from these two later on in the conference. So excited. Uh, but before we do that, let's just have some fun. Yeah. Sound good? How long have you two, specifically, JP and David, how long have y'all known each other? Uh, six months, seven months? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least around there. Um, we have known each other for 12 years. Wow. Um, a little over 12 years. Okay. That's cool. I like that. It feels like 12 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is his mic on? Mic, mic for Jonathan. Can y'all hear it, JP? Down. You can hear it. Yeah, okay. It feels like 12 minutes. Not much yeah. has changed. Underwater. A lot less graphic tees and sparkly things on his jeans yeah. over the years. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, you did not. Oh, he for jeans. sure Like did. buckle jeans? That's the problem with the internet is that stuff's out there forever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hey, there's some pictures of DMARV out there too. Oh, oh yeah. Y'all know David was a model? There. Did everyone know that? Let's not go there. Okay. Look it up. Well, hey. I thought that we would just start off with just asking some fun, get to know you, just kind of rapid fire questions, just a few. Does that sound good? Yeah, man. Come okay, on. sweet. Um, if you had to recommend one book for everyone to read, like you got to read this book, what book are you recommending? Outdated. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Did I say it right? Did you pay him? <laughs> yeah, you Did I say it right? right? I said it right. Uh, uh, that's a great question. I mean, y'all, that is a great resource too. I'm not a big reader, so just to out myself right there, I, mm -hmm. I don't enjoy reading, so I'm, I'm a big Audible guy, uh, but I feel like everybody has great answers. You're going to say something amazing, I, I am. get out of your head or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, there's so many, but A.W. Tozer wrote a book called The Pursuit of God, and yeah. I... That's for That's the most part, list, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I try to read that. That's one of those I read almost every year. If you have never read that, Go back to the classics, read some of those, because there's something about dead guys that, you know, and dead women that, mm. that, that it's timeless. You know that it yeah. lives. At the same time, you know, our books are good, too, <laughs> and we're still alive. We're there's still alive. Book Humility you told me about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Humility by um, Andrew Murray is yeah. another one I read yeah. often, because, you know, we just live in a culture that that's not valued, and so 
to put it in my mind constantly of this is how I wanna live, this is who I wanna be, this, this, and it's not something that we can muster up. That what Andrew talks about is this is something we become as we are mm-hmm. with Jesus. So that's helpful too. That's, that's good. good. Uh, anything by C.S. Lewis. The Problem of Pain is probably the book I've read more than any other book. Um, and the description in chapter nine of heaven, I think is one of the most powerful descriptions as he just reflects. And specifically, there's a line where he talks about, hey, there's, there's times in my heart of heart, or there's times I think we don't desire heaven, but more often I find myself wondering if in our heart of hearts we have ever desired anything else. Yeah. And he puts together how every longing from the very first breath you take to the very last one that you take has been longing to be reunited mm. with your creator and with heaven. But mere Christianity, anything by C.S. Lewis. Yeah. So I think they covered the, the dead guys, which I'm not smart enough to read those guys. <laughs> but just a few, like crazy love, God impacted my life in a major way mm-hmm. when I read that book. It just kind of opened something up inside of me that I was a, a, a part of Christianity that I wasn't experiencing and living. A praying life by Paul Miller, God used to you know revolutionize my prayer life and just change that. And so those are two that come to mind for me. And I, I, I okay, guys, we got to keep moving. Okay, okay, so, keep moving. I know hey, y'all like. Books I would say both, I've read both their books, and I, they're excellent resources. Yeah, no, so, uh, for I sure. Say that with full integrity, that, that yeah, really. And no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what are your middle names? Oh, mine's so good. What is it? Uh, mine's better. Mine's, there, there's no way. Y'all, yeah. it's just no, better. It's okay, better. You go first. No, go. You go first. Well, mine's so. So Jesus-y, it's Faith. And I'm not kidding. That is my middle name. That's what my parents... Mine's wow. Jesus. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm kidding. It's Jesus. actually... Jesus. Jesus. Jenny Faith Allen. I like that. Jenny yeah. Faith Allen. Faith So my middle name is Bob. B-O-B. <laughs> not, not Robert. Not Robert. Not Robert. Wow. Not Bobby. Wow. So, so my name... So I'm from a small town, South, South Texas. So I am John Bob. Okay? That's... No. JB. That just happened. Okay. And, and your family calls you JB. They call me not JB. JP. So forever in my life, I was JB. And forever at this college. conference, you are now JB. No, I think we go with John Bob. That yeah, John good. Bob. Yes. I like it. John Bob. Mine is not nearly as good. It's James. Oh, yeah. The James. brother of our Lord. Yeah. Okay? David James. We get it. Okay. You love the Bible. All right. Wow. You said you know your Bible. All right. Uh, let's go on to like the serious questions now. Let's move on. Okay, we're going to start with you, JP. Um, We are definitely, I would say, a high feeler generation. We feel things deeply. Um, We we tend to be a little emotionally led, I would say. And what would you say if I have not in a season been feeling God, uh, per se, or what would you say if my, my spiritual life has seemed to be going through like a drought, or like when I read the Bible, like at one point, it was so like, man, everything, I just couldn't get enough. And when I've been reading, it's just like, man, I'm, not, I'm getting nothing from this. Does that say something about me, about God? Like, what would you just speak to people walking through those seasons? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, let me just say that in the entirety of Scripture, it doesn't tell us a lot of what to feel toward God. In Matthew 22, he says the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart. That would be the feeling part, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, strength is added in the other two gospels. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer that question in what to do if you're there, if that's okay. Yeah. And I, I, think of, I think of three words. 
Obedience, discipline, and emotion. And so in terms of obedience, in 1 John 5, 3, he says, this is what it means to love God. So we're like, okay, lean in, because I don't feel love for God. What does it mean to love God? He says, obey his commands. And so, okay, so if I don't feel close to God, I don't feel something in return, I can still, regardless of how I feel, follow his commands. And then in 1 Timothy 4, 7, there's this admonishment, this exhortation to discipline ourselves for godliness. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't enjoy discipline. Like, I, I don't, and whether you're thinking like, hey, you're grounded kind of discipline, or like in the gym, I don't, I don't like working out. It's, it's not fun for me. I don't like to eat right or, or diet, but I do those things because of what they will produce in my life. And he says, what I see that verse as is it gives me permission to not have to enjoy it, but to trust in what it produces in my life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, dis- and this is where I think as a generation, not to stereotype you or us, but we miss it because we're like, well, if it's hard, it must be wrong. Mm. No, man, some things are just hard and they're really, really right. And so to read the scripture in the morning, I'm going to, real confession between you and I, don't tell anyone, I don't enjoy reading the Bible. Mm. I know. I heard. <laughs> gas. Audible, Audible gas. gas. Across the crowd. I do it every single day of my life because of what it produces in my life, but I don't enjoy it. And in a way, I feel permission not to enjoy it because of 1 Timothy 4, 7, discipline yourself for godliness. And then I called my friend Beth, uh, Shane Bernard's wife, Bethany Dillon, Bethany Bernard, and she just released an album called All My Questions. That album is essentially a lament from when her dad died uh, about 15 months ago. And she's crying out to God and she's saying things like, who else do I have to blame but you? God. Who else do I have? And so she doesn't feel love for God. And I said, what do you do when you're in that pit? And she says, remember, I thought this was brilliant. She said, remember that he's the God of our emotions. And so if we, if we, we have to be careful of telling ourselves that we should feel something different. Because if we feel something, we can say, okay, God, why do I feel this? How long is it okay for me to stay here? What is the way out? And just to ask him, hey, God, you're the God of my emotions. Will you change them? Will you give me joy? The most joyful person I know, the most joyful person that I've ever met on the planet Earth, her father killed himself when she was a child. She was bitter. She lived by herself at the age of 16. Lots of terrible things happened to her. But she said, in the midst of that bitterness, I just prayed that God would give me joy. I just prayed that God would give me joy. And now I sit in that prayer answered. And the last thing I'll say on this is you have to know what makes you love God more or enjoy God more. And if that's reading the Bible and, and listening to worship music, great. For me, it's, it's a walk in the forest. Um, it's, it's listening to really talented, well-produced music. Uh, it's a bubble bath. Okay, don't judge me, right? Don't judge me. Okay. But... but but that's what it is for me. You have to know what it is for you and you need to do that more and know what distracts you from God and stop doing that. That's good. Um, can I add one thing? Yeah. Uh, so good. I think one of the things that he hit on is to know if you're in that season where things feel stale or dry, to know you're not alone. The Bible doesn't get enough credit for being incredibly honest. You see David crying out, where are you, God? 
in Psalm 13. You see him all throughout the Psalms saying, God, why have you forsaken me, turning me back? So you're not alone. And then the other thing, just to add on to what he said is, sometimes it's helpful in those seasons when I don't feel God, when I go to God's word, I'm reminded of how God feels towards me in that season. So even when I, I don't know how I feel, I can go to God's word and read how God over and over feels towards me, a love that never changes, which in that season that all of us can go through all those times, going back to his word and being reminded of what is true. That's good. Oh wait, one more dead guy, St. John of the Cross. He was a Spanish priest in the 1500s and he wrote something that changed my life and I wish we heard about this more. Um, it is called Dark Night of the Soul and it talks about seasons where we feel so distant from God and it put to words what I have gone through multiple times in my life and I bet many of you have gone through and, and there are times that it feels like God actually is weaning us off of our emotions. And St. John of the Cross says, do not despise those seasons. Those are gifts from God so that we aren't emotionally riding waves, mm -hmm. that we actually can be faithful no matter what we feel. And so when you are in that season, just to recognize it as a gift, yeah. to say this is a time where, like JP said, John Bob said that this is a time <laughs> It's gonna work, I feel it, it's mm -hmm. about to take off. Um, <laughs> that there are seasons that our discipline needs to ramp up and the way that that happens, oftentimes our emotions go down and so do not resent it. That's really good. All right, let's stay on you, Miss Jenny Faith. Uh, when I look at you guys and I see all you're doing, I'm sure most people in this room follow you on social media and just also just wanna say on behalf of everyone here, like thank y'all in the midst of like a really dark world. Like, thank y'all for using your platforms and your influence to point people to Jesus. And like, I know myself, like it's just been such a resource and I've been able to help a lot of people as well. Uh, but it's easy, I think, for us as young leaders to look at you guys and go, man, y'all are doing really big things for God. And I am so on fire for Jesus and I too wanna be used by God in big ways. I wanna be the David and Goliath story. I want, I want that kind of, I wanna do big things for God. And so, first off, I wanna ask, it's kind of a two-part question, but is it wrong? Influence is weird, and like yeah. stages and platform, especially when you're talking about humility and all the different things. Uh, is it wrong to wanna do big things for God? I think my first question would be why? And if the answer to that why is to build the kingdom of God, I mean, here's the thing. There is an addiction right now to to being known, to being famous. There's an addiction right now to likes and to followers and to attention. And, and I'm not just saying there's an addiction like there's an addiction to pornography. I mean, this is just as dangerous. Like it is, it is absolutely taking hostage our minds, our time, our um, thoughts, the decisions we make. So we've got to treat it similarly in the sense that there are, there are really only you know, two ways for this to go. That you get it, and I'll just tell you right now, there is nothing in the most incredible moments that I've had in ministry that the world would say, oh my gosh, you hit New York Times, you did all these awesome things, you got to speak at all these awesome events. There's not one of those moments that I got off the stage, got the award, got the thing that, that you'd think, okay, that would be the pinnacle and thought, wow, that really filled my soul. Like not one of those moments has ever done that. So therefore, let me just take that off the table. If it's not gonna fill your soul, why are you chasing it? Hmm. What, what is in it for you? Hmm. 
And so if you can just realize that, that it's not going to do the thing that you think it will, and then seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you, what he means is your soul will be filled and you'll actually do the works that I've called you to do on earth. And that is prepared for you in advance. So I honestly wouldn't have picked this. I know a lot of people would have, but you can ask my husband, he's here. Even last night, I'm just kind of in a fragile state, and I think a lot of us are. And I sat on a, on a chair last night, and I cried, and I just said, and again, no offense to you guys, y'all are great. I can't wait to be here with you. <laughs> but it's still hard mm -hmm. to lead right now. So don't wish for it. Don't wish for it. It's a heavy load. Now, that is not to say we're all up here being martyrs for Jesus. That is to say, to whom much is given, much is expected. So unless you're willing to live the expected part, don't wish for all the people to lead. Now, I will say this. Having ambition for the kingdom of God to grow in your generation, go for it. Yeah. If that's your why, if your why is this is a short life, heaven is coming, and I just want as many people to know him as possible, go for it. Will you have mixed motives? You will. And don't wait for your motives to get all right. It won't ever happen. Go help people love Jesus. God's so good at, at purifying motives because as we're going, you know, people ask all the time, how do you stay humble? And it's a few answers. One is my children. They are just absolutely unimpressed by me every day, every day. And then number two is suffering. Yeah. Mm. And that has seemed to go hand in hand with leadership for me. Mm. Yeah. And it seemed to go hand in hand with leadership for Jesus. It seemed to go hand in hand with all the disciples as well. And so I do think that there is this idea that if, if I can have all of this, then somehow my life will matter. Let me just tell you, the small matters. The small is changing the, the world. I mean, those of us that are on stages realize that, that we're giving a talk and you go home and, and maybe your life changes and maybe it doesn't. But if you're making disciples in your living room, if there are people that love God because of you and you know their names and you know their stories and they've repented of sin to you, guys, that is where it is at. Do not be confused. That is where it is at. And, and so I think those of us that are up on stages, I mean, I'd be curious what y'all would add. There's this constant thing in my head of who am I actually discipling? Who are the names and the people that I'm actually pouring into? Yeah. I, th the most, I think the thing that she said right there out the gate, I don't want you to miss, motive matters. Mm -hmm. And everybody thinks I wanna be rich so that I can give it all away. Okay, I hear that all the time. Well, I want, I want God to give me a lot of money so that I can give it away. Well, then you wanna be poor because if you had a lot of money and you gave it all away, you'd be poor. So it's a really a desire to be poor. And that's where you started. So you might as well just stay there, right? And, <laughs> and so you think, man, I want, a, I want a big platform so that I can point others to Jesus. But the problem, and then it gets really messy in your head because if more people follow me, then I can point them to Jesus. Now I want them to follow me. Now I just want them to follow me. Now I'm an, a, an addict of that. And, and that is where the enemy works the most. Everybody's seen somebody climb the ladder only to fall. And so then you're running scared, and then you feel a unique attack, and then you have the trolls on Instagram, TikTok, 
Facebook that you're like, I'm just trying to make, make much of Jesus. And they're like, no, you're not. You're a sellout, you know, whatever, your shoes, blah, blah, blah. And so, <laughs> and you just, and you wake up and you're like, okay, you know, how do I just make much of Jesus? So don't worship people, pray for them, okay? Don't worship people, pray for them. And know that, what, know your why is what she said. And I would just repeat that with the exclamation point. That's good. I don't, I don't think I'd add any. I think one thing she said at the end there about suffering and that uh, someone once said, I think it was Swindoll who said, oftentimes for God to use someone greatly, he first wounds them deeply. Mm-hmm. And that some of you guys may be in a season where you're, you're experiencing that or you have experienced that. And to not uh, neglect not just the days of small beginnings, but those moments where God is shaping and forming you and writing a story that he's going to use the way he comforts you to comfort others with the comfort you've received in Christ. And, um, and that each of us has, like she said, like Instagram is not real. Twitter, it's not real. Yeah. Facebook, it's not real. What's real is relationships and people around you and stewarding those and pointing people on a day-by-day basis to Christ. That's good. Uh, David, just staying on you. So one of my next questions is when you look at this and like you experience a weekend like this, I think a lot of people, most people are not from Texas and they don't have access to something like this with like-minded people their age back in their states, back in their cities. And yes, this is fun, but they do know it's ending and they're going back to something really hard or really lonely. Uh, they're, they're, they watch the porch online because they're like, I, I just, I can't find a thriving adult ministry. To that person that feels kind of alone in the fight, alone in the day-to-day, like how would you encourage them and like what is a practical step that they can take uh, to start to experience more like you said everything matters within the context of relationships. Like how can they take best steps towards that? Yeah, I'll say two things. One is really practical and the second one is like a tension that I personally feel in conferences like this. First one is practically, if you wanna start a porch live location, people ask us all the time, will you bring one to Nashville, bring one to LA, bring one to different cities? The way those start, we have never been calling or uh, those have always been reactionary, almost entirely, where somebody raises up, or God raises up a leader in a city, says, hey, I have a heart for reaching people in my city, and I wanna see uh, what is happening at the porch happen here, and they start a porch live location. So if you wanna start one, we will help you. We will give you resources. We have uh, someone on our, Josiah Jones on our team, who's an amazing communicator, is huge part of his job is to help raise up and help equip churches that want to partner with us in that. So you can bring it to your city, Near you. The second thing I feel is when you walk away from conferences like this, what makes or breaks a conference is not all of the amazing lights and all the stuff that you see here. That's awesome. That's super cool. The different, you know, techno bands that were making people trip out last night were amazing. (laughs) But they don't change lives. What changes lives is the spirit of God and the word of God. And the reason I say it's a tension, I feel, is I don't want people to leave here going, man, that was incredible. If only we could have a huge DJ out there on a fork scissor lift, then God could really do something amazing in my city. That's not how God does something amazing in your city. Mm. People coming together and teaching the word and gathering in small groups, living authentically in relationships, and that ripple begins to spread. And you can do that with three people. You can do that with two people. And that's how God is ultimately gonna bring about revival and awaken. You don't need a big stage. You don't need a big light or big lights but you do need to be anchored to the word of God and run with other people authentically and help one another partner together. I'd, I'd be intrigued to know what y'all would say. Just... You know, 
I would say start a porch. I go back to where you started. Start a porch in your in your town, and you, and you don't necessarily need a porch if you have something an alternative there. But if you don't, I know your team has done the most incredible job I've ever seen of just saying, "Hey, how can we come around you and help you?" Because their heart is not just for what God is doing right here in Dallas, Texas. Their heart is to see an entire generation reached for Jesus. And they're saying, hey, what can we do to make that happen? And I, I, I couldn't be more encouraged by what God is doing in and through this place. So That's awesome. I'm gonna kind of go off script. Uh, JP, I'm gonna start with you and then anyone can speak to it because I've recently seen this on your Instagram stories and your posts recently. Okay. You've been reposting a post about the end times. Okay. And uh, who doesn't love a good yeah, end times conversation? That is way <laughs> off script, man. Um, but I think it would just be kind of weird to not discuss all the events going on um, in our world today. I know, Jenny, you've been like helping a lot with going on in Afghanistan and just different things. And we've been just praying and praying here um, and, and at the porch. And so I think a question people are asking is with all of it going on, is it pointing to like Jesus's return, or is it pointing to God's silence? Yeah. Like, what is it? And do you believe that we are in that time? Like, how do I, I guess people were just simply asking, like, are we in the end times? Yeah. Which people have been asking for a long time. Yeah, I would just say, without it, make sure you hear the second part of this answer. <laughs> I would say, without a doubt in my mind, it's pointing to the return of Jesus. And without a doubt, on my mind, it is pointing to the judgment of God as we um, move from his heart, if you will. Uh, and that's a pretty safe answer because I know every 24 hour period that passes, we're closer to the return of Christ. Mm -hmm. And I know that the further that we move from the heart of God, the more that we will experience judgment from God, right? And so I don't know that anyone's going to look at our land right now and say, man, they're really, you know, they're really by and large moving toward God. And then what I would say is I'm, and this is what you have to hear me, is I'm so hopeful. Like you flew in, you purchased tickets, you got here. You, you wanted to spend Labor Day weekend very different than I wanted to spend Labor Day weekend when I was your age. And what that does is that strengthens my heart, strengthens my conviction. And, and I would just say to go back on topic, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like Martin Luther's been misquoted as saying, if I knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, you know, what would you do? I'd plant a tree. And I don't think he actually said that. But I do think it captures this idea of if we knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow, we should live today like we know he's coming back tomorrow. Yeah. We should do everything today as though he, the cloud the, the sky's gonna crack open and there's the white horse and the robe dipped in blood, king of king, lord of lords on his thigh, like there he is, you know? And, and whatever we would do today, if we knew that was gonna happen tomorrow, we should do today. That's good, that's good. I talked to my team about this and, and in the midst of COVID and coming back in and, and I think what we realize is in this next season, you know, I've been doing this about eight years publicly and, and if, you know, if we have eight more years or 10 more years, I just said this next season, I think what we're gonna see is that our motives do get purified because it's going to be a little bit harder than it's ever been. And I expect that. And we need to be more focused than ever in training your generation and younger to persevere no matter what and to expect Jesus to come back. Yeah. 
And the reason I said that is because there's a fervor that I see. When I speak in front of Gen Z right now, there is a fervor. How many of y'all are Gen Z? Consider yourself, okay, good, good. So there's a fervor. (laughs) Forget about it. Um, there's There's a fervor that I see in you and your generation that I have never felt in my short tenure in ministry. And it has us so excited. And there's this sense of if you guys are actually believing this book, like Jefferson just told the story of scripture and you align yourself with that narrative. If you, if you actually live that, at least we won't be the reason Jesus didn't come back. Like we will be living in such a way as a generation. And I'm an optimist, but I can see it. I can see the church, not the world, the church purified, actually living this book, believing this book, loving people, believing in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, preaching the word. Yo, I see it happening in this generation. It's already happening. The number of people, Gen Z, coming up to me and saying, you know what? I think I'm called to go on the mission field. I think I'm called to go into ministry. Y'all, that didn't happen as much with millennials. Sorry, it just didn't. Gen Z seems to be rising up and saying, okay, we need to get serious about this book. So if that is because Jesus is coming back, awesome. But what if it's Gen Z's kids or kids' kids? We still need a generation to rise up and to be that serious about the gospel and that serious about the Bible. That's good. I, I don't think, I mean, I, I, uh, I hope so. Yeah. And uh, honestly, yeah. I think they missed the answer because even Jesus said, I don't know the time nor the place. Only the Father knows. So both of these guys were often saying that, but um, <laughs> totally kidding. This guy's job is so easy. Just I know. Like, I don't know <laughs> David James, I, quote I, the Bible. I really, I, I mean, it's, it's try, but I, I, I think everything they said is spot on that we are. I mean, from the moment Jesus left, we're in the end times, and I, I really hope so. Mm. So, yeah, that's good. All right, I want to give each of you an opportunity to answer this next question because I think it's just such a good one to ask. I really enjoy it every time I hear it in a panel. Just, man, if whatever is just like passionate on your mind, on your heart, for this generation, for us, for this room specifically, like if there was, if Jesus was coming back tomorrow and there was one message, one just encouraging thing or challenge or anything like that that you would share with us, like what would it be? I'll go first, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I hope you leave this weekend with an overinflated understanding of how important you as the body of Christ are to our world. Jesus would say that you are salt and light in a world of darkness. And the reason I say overflated is because it would be impossible for me to communicate in a way that could actually inflate to the degree of importance that you are in the world. That Jesus, when he said salt, what was salt? In the first century, it was a preserve preservative in other words there was no refrigeration they would use salt to preserve food in order to allow it to last longer jesus is saying the church in the world is the thing that will slow the decay and the brokenness and the rot that sin is bringing about and that exists in apartments that are represented here in colleges represented here that you are the preservative of the school you're a part of, of the company you work for, of the city that you live in, it would be impossible to understate how important, and not in a self-glorifying way, in a way that you are the means by which God is saying, I'm gonna bring light into darkness. I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna slow down 
death, decay, all the things that are just of the natural order in this world and produce the fruits of the spirit that are not natural, of love and joy and peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. And so as you go and holding onto this book, the importance and opportunity that you have, not on your own strength, but by depending on the spirit and living according to this book, it would be impossible for me to overstate that. And you don't feel that, and you may not even sense that, but Jesus would say, and I'm about to be done, pass the mic. Jesus would say, in that really dark company where there's no other believers but you, in that city where you feel like, man, nobody dates like they talk on the porch, he would say, I have a light in the darkness. Mm-hmm. I have got salt, I, because he's got you. I got boots on the ground there. I have my people there, and he's got them all over this country and all over the world. You matter, yes. mm-hmm. and for the future of the church and the future of what God is gonna do through the church, you matter, not because of how special you are, but by surrendering and walking with him, it would be impossible to understand fully how much and how important you are because you're part of the church. So it would be That's what really I'd say. good. Yeah. That's a word. This is the least drop the mic thing ever, <laughs> but it matters so much. You need to belong to a local church. Mm-hmm. You need to submit to someone the in your life. The <laughs> yeah. You need to be a person who knows these are the three, four, five people who can put me in my place. Submission, local church, knowing this book, these are the ways that God has moved throughout history and it's not gonna take a detour come 2021. Like this is how it's still going to happen and yet I see a generation coming that's zealous but they're not submitted to the word of God, they're not submitted to elders in a local church. It is not fun. I was with a bunch of leaders recently and we were talking about this and, and they were asking me why I didn't do something and, and I said, I, I don't know what my local elders would say about it. And, and this was, do I have permission? It was eat meat, don't eat meat, that kind of thing. Except y'all know it wasn't that. So <laughs> you're all going, what was it? Um, <laughs> And I said, you know, I don't know. I would need to check with my local elders. This is very famous, very well-known leaders that I'm sitting with. All of them looked at me like I had said something absolutely insane. Mm. Yeah. And, I, and they all started asking me, what do you mean your local elders? What do you mean you, you take things to them? You ask them questions? I'm like, I know where they stand on things, and I submit to that. And, and I would say that is something that we are afraid of. But it is something that I have seen God bless over and over and over again in my life. My word about submission, my husband is sitting over here. He is a really strong man who is married to a really strong woman. But at the end of the day, that man knows that if I'm not sitting up here of my own accord, I'm sitting up here with his blessing. Mm. He sent me here. And that submission, and some of you are not under the authority of your husband, but, but you've gotta be under the authority of someone. All of us. <laughs> All of us have gotta be under the authority of someone. And so I would say submission is this to me. Submission is protection. It's protection. And I'll get to get to heaven and you know, God will say, now Jenny, why did you not do this or why? And I'm like, blame the man, you know? He, he <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, love submission. Um, you know, and, and I would say that man, 
you know what his goal is? My motives might be mixed on a given day, but that man looks at me in the eyes and says, tomorrow, you know what he said last night when I was tired? He said, Jenny, tomorrow, you're gonna get up and go build the kingdom of God. Mm. And that is, that is submission. It's sending, it's protecting. And local church guys, what, what David just talked about, that idea comes from Corinthians where it's talking about a local body, the hands, the feet, all of the parts of the body, and it's expressed not in the global church. Y'all, anything I do for the global church has come out of this local church. This is my home church. It's come out of people that I'm discipling in my living room. It's come out of convictions that I've built because I sit under the teaching of the elders and the teachers of this body. And I think we've got to value being under and covered more. And, and when you are, God can send you further because he knows, okay, there's somebody that can grab that girl by the collar, which often happens to me. Mm. You've done it to me. You've no. grabbed, yeah, yeah. I, here's, here's, what I, <laughs> here's what I would, I love you. Like, this is gonna be the least mic drop moment ever. And then you're like, drop the mic. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll say what I was going to say really quickly in a second, just to say, I know that there's mostly ladies here. Right, so I'm just like looking out and, and, and saying that uh, slightly. And, um, and, and, and I have never wondered why God has grown Jenny's platform because everything she just said, she lives. And her and Zach are both mentors of mine. I mean, they're both people that I call immediately when I'm like, I don't know what to do, help me. And, and, and she leads with a limp, meaning it's, it's out of her fragility. It's out of, hey, I can't, but God, you can, if you will and she means everything she just said, and to the men in the room, that Hebrews 13, 17, you know, that come under the church's leadership, like find a healthy church and submit yourself to them, which we don't like to do, like that's a, an amazing application for everyone here, that if just that knob turned, if you go back to your respective cities, you find a healthy Bible teaching church, and you say, okay, I wanna be a member here, and stay here, belong here, give here, serve here, the world would change. My answer was gonna be Matthew 6.33, which you said earlier, you know, which is just seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and trust him for everything else. It, that's, my, that's one of two of my life verses. God, help me seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and trust you in all the details. That's good. Man, I just, I just wanna thank y'all for that, seriously. We do have a few more minutes, so why not? I have, I, I have like a bunch more questions, but um, David, you kind of talked about this yesterday, the idea of like who you follow and who you listen to in regards to truth matter. And we are like the smartphone in our pocket, information at our fingertip generation. And because of that, it can almost come to our detriment. There is so much constant content coming out in front of us. And it can be really easy to fall under leadership that may not be best for us or just not to know. Yeah. So when looking at all these pastors, when looking at all these resources, all these, I mean, just all these books being written, how can I know who to follow and who to trust? Like what voice to trust today? You want me to take it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna try to go quick on this. So... Recently, I've had this like weird acid reflux thing. <laughs> 40 is awesome. 
And uh, I got someone. And so I like, yeah. I, um, and so I, I went to a nutritionist, you know, paid all this money, drove to Dallas, met with this nutritionist. And I'm like, you know, what do you think about the keto diet? What about probiotics? What about this? What about supplements? And, and essentially, like I left there with eighth grade health class, like just eat well, you know, like you have four food groups and it was like 101. I'm like, but, but what's the quick fix? She's like, no, you just need to eat better. And I was like, gosh. And uh, <laughs> whether you realize it or not, you're hungry. You know, like there's a hunger inside of you right now. That's why you're here. Whether you realize it or not, you're hungry. And I can give you a Snickers bar, and that may be even what you're craving. You might be like, I want chocolate or Sour Patch Kids. Like, I want the peanut butter M&Ms. That's what I want. But what you need is a square meal. What you need is the, the four food groups. You need to eat healthy. And the same is true in the way that we digest truth is uh, there's, there's folk, people out there preachers out there that will have these amazing elaborate illustrations and they'll say, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful snack for you. Like that was a neat snack. That was a really cool 15 second TikTok, okay? That's not going to get you through the week, if you will. That's, and so you wanna go somewhere where you learn the Bible. When Jefferson was speaking earlier, that east-west thing, I was like, oh, okay, I gotta go back and dive into that. And so that's what it did in me. It's like, okay, God, I can't wait to spend time with you and dive deeper into that, look into that east and west thing and, and just learn, okay, they went east, okay, that was rebellion, wow, I've never thought about that before. And, and you wanna go somewhere that awakens for that 30, 45 minutes, they, they want you to, you then want to go spend time with God and learn his word. To say that in a simple way, you wanna go somewhere that teaches the Bible, like find a place, it's okay if they use illustrations to teach the Bible. It's okay if they dress trendy, but they teach the Bible. Like you just wanna go somewhere where you actually learn the Bible. Mm. And that's what I would say. That's good. Good. I don't think I would add anything. I think I would run everything that you hear through the lens of scripture. I would take it all, I take everything that you're hearing from us. For whatever reason, we've lost the ability to think in society. Maybe it's just because we've all been, I don't know what the reason is, but to go, hey, everything I hear, I'm gonna take it back to what God's word, everything that I sing, I'm gonna go, hey, is what I'm singing right now, like can I support that with what is in scripture and uh, how would I, what I'm hearing right now, it sounds good and I think this is why it's so important is there's a lot of things that sound powerful, they're inspirational, they're, they're heart touching, but they're not actually biblical and so running everything back through God's word and how can I, support what they're saying or does that actually come from God's word? That's good. Do boring things well. And what I mean by that is know this book and get in it, just like they were talking about earlier, because it is amazing to me how people can post the most ridiculous stuff and you're it's so obviously wrong. And then you look at the comments, comments and it's like, amen, amen. You know, everybody agrees. And I'm going, Wait, like, really, do you all agree with that? Like, is that where we are today? And it is, and it is. Mm -hmm. And so the only way to fight that is biblical literacy. <laughs> it's, we've got to know this book. You cannot depend on me or anybody else to teach you this book. You have to know the book. And then when I am encouraging you in what you already know, it is reminding you that you're not alone, that you're not crazy for believing it. That's what teachers should do but you personally have got to know it. And I think that that idea of biblical literacy is, is kind of boring and we've just got to do 
that work. And it was for all of us here. I mean, we've, we've spent years, you know, in the word of God and understanding it. I have huge fat commentaries and, and notebooks from seminary where I did that work. You don't have to go to seminary, but I would encourage you to get some basic Bible commentaries um, to read, you know, systematic theology by Wayne Grudem, to read the basics so that you know the answers to the big questions in a way that, um, that, that you're not easily led astray. Because James talks about the waves you know, of doubt and that, that you're being tossed to and fro and we really need to be people that aren't tossed to and fro. It's like this, I was thinking, I know we gotta wrap up. I was thinking about these two this morning and doing this. They each have really distinct communication styles and, uh, and have spent enormous amounts of time and good amount of time with both of them and I feel like I could, if I heard someone say or repeat something, I could be like, that sounds like something Jenny would say. Or uh, especially with him, like, man, that, that, that totally I could hear him saying that. Or that sounds like something he would say. I think people, because they don't know the Bible, they're not able to go, that sounds like something God would say. And they just assume, because I heard it from a preacher, man, that, that sounds like something. And, but they don't know, because they don't know the Bible. So they don't have the ability to say, that sounds like something he would say, God would say. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let us know, Demar. That's good. Man, yeah, let's just thank these guys one more time. We love y'all, seriously, and just so thankful to be underneath and submit to y'all's leadership as you seek to submit to the Lord. And so, Ginny, would you mind just praying for us? I love it. So God, here we are, here we are, and I think about these days, and, and, and what I don't want is that, that this would be a waste that it would, would burn away, but God, your spirit being here, your word being taught, your people being gathered, you promise that it won't be. You promise that, that this will last because you are here. And it, your word will not return void. So God, would, would it fall on, on incredible soil? Mm -hmm. Would it produce incredible fruit? Mm -hmm. Because your kingdom is coming. <laughs> And we would like your will to be done in this generation yes. on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank y'all.